welcome back to another Shays Bippy podcast. I am Thomas Murphy, along with my good friend and co-host Mike Diabate. Uh, welcome back, folks. Welcome back. You get get us two weeks in a row. How about that, man? Things are going so well. We decide let's just keep rolling. Let's just keep rolling. We're going to keep things uh, a little local this week. One of uh, our favorite mob movies, and uh, the mob comes in many forms, as, as we talked about last week. And this week we're talking about the 2006 film, the Martin Scorsese classic, The Departed. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, Billy Costigan, South Boston undercover cop, goes after the notorious Frank Costello. And um, and we're going to break this sucker down and have a little fun. Hopefully you folks have uh, seen this movie before and we won't be spoiling anything for you. Uh, if more than likely, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard this, you've, you've watched this movie at least a half a dozen times, but you know, it's one that we had to touch on. Didn't we, Mike? Absolutely. Murph, definitely glad to be back on the microphone with you. And you know, it's, this is one of those, uh, movies that just really, I think came along right at the, at the right time in terms of the mob genre, in terms of. Martin Scorsese finally earning his well-deserved first Academy Award for Best right. Picture for The Departed. Um, I think probably this should have been Leonardo DiCaprio's first uh, nod for Best Actor. wasn't actually even nominated, which was really, I, I think, know. a miscarriage of justice. Some of the best work that I think he's ever done. I mean, and DiCaprio's done some amazing films with Scorsese, whether it be Gangs of New York or, uh, you know, whether it be uh, uh, the, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street and uh, did end up winning for The Revenant, which uh, I think was more of a, of a lifetime achievement <laughs> rather than uh, as good as he was in The Revenant. I think some of his earlier roles warranted uh, the Academy Award a little bit more. And this was one yeah. of them. I thought he took a tremendous part but what an amazing ensemble cast uh the last few podcasts that we've done i think that we've touched upon movies that have had tremendous ensemble casts which whether it be get shorty or whether it be um the uh, uh the reservoir dogs like we did last week uh the departed really puts the all-stars out in force uh and right. really starts and begins and ends with Babe Ruth of modern cinema, Jack Nicholson uh, as Frank Costello, just iconic in this role. And really, really, I can't imagine anyone else in it. But apparently they had some other ideas. We can touch upon that in a little bit. But uh, All right. just a phenomenal movie. And uh, we'll get right into it and uh, start breaking it down for you. Exactly. Um, yeah, I can't, I, I can't wait to get to that part because... See, this is Mike does this. He he goes out and he finds out these little tidbits that none of us know, not even me, and um and, and brings it to you. You know, every time we sit down together, and uh and talk like this over coffee and donuts and whatever. But N Nicholson was amazing in this film. He really was, and um and I can't see anybody else doing this this kind of work. And and like you said, DiCaprio was was snubbed for for his oscar i thought i thought it should have been his first um yeah the revenant i i, I actually you know tweeted out the other day that i thought that was the most overrated film of all time. <laughs> i did not like that movie one bit but i love this movie and this this film is is really the story of two men who are the exact opposites one who is a criminal pretending to be a cop and the other one is a cop who's pretending to be a criminal wouldn't you say 
Absolutely. I think it's such a dichotomy in this movie of seeing the fine line that really, I think, walks in society between good and evil. And you see the the balance of both and how, and we talked about this in the last podcast with Reservoir Dogs, where decent people can do indecent things. And yep. likewise, indecent people can do decent things at times. And you see that so much through this movie. Symbolism is such a big key in how The Departed is put forth. And really, I think one of Martin Scorsese's finest uh, films from start to finish. And that's saying a lot when you consider the yeah. man's history and what he's been able to do, whether it be Raging Bull, Once Upon a Time in America, Mean Streets. Uh, you know, you take a look at all of these, obviously, Goodfellas, which we will, you know, tackle at some point right. on the Shade That Be Mob Pod. Um, and even a movie like The Wolf of Wall Street, which is a little bit of a change in genre from what he's used to, but a situation where I think it does show uh, you know, some some great range. That's probably not one that we'll touch upon. That's really not organized crime. That's really uh, uh, corporate crime, if you think about corporate it. But crime. hey, who knows? If you, hey, who knows? If our listeners really, really want us to break down some of these films, well, you know, you know in, in know, ten years when we finally message. run, yeah, in ten years when we run out of mob flicks to do, we'll we'll go there. <laughs> Absolutely. Some would say that corporate America is the biggest uh, uh, component of organized crime. I'm not judging, but I'm just no. saying the idea is out there. But, yep, it um, is. but we, uh, we, I love the way The Departed opens up. And anyone that, that's seen the film knows that this movie opens uh, with Lunch a... Exactly, with a luncheonette scene um, after, uh, I think, a brilliant voiceover by uh, by Jack Nicholson stating that, I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. And that's a terrible Jack Nicholson impression, not one of my better ones. But in that case, <laughs> That's all right. I he did a terrible really... impression of the way we speak. And throughout yeah, the they're really re- there is some, I will warn anyone from Boston and anyone from Boston that's seen this movie, and I'm sure a lot of people have, there is some pretty bad boston accents in this movie it just seems like nobody can nail it uh really i think the guys that really nail the boston accent pretty well are the guys that are from here you got matt damon and mark Wahlberg that are able to really i think capture a lot of what the, the city really entails because they're from here they've known you know they've heard guys speak this way all their life so i think they really capture it a little bit better nicholson and dicaprio were a little bit of fish out of water when that came to that but they made a valiant effort it's still not as bad as kevin costner in 13 days worst boston accent i've ever heard in my life but we won't get into that right now um there's some grainy historical film and it does depict some of the Boston riots during the earlier generations, particularly during the 1960s and seventies when race relations really was at an all time high with, uh, uh, with the city of Boston and something that Boston continues to struggle with today. That's a podcast for another day. We're not going to touch on that right now, but essentially what happens is Nicholson's character, Frank Costello introduces his foray into the world of organized crime and specifically the rivalry between the Irish mob and the Italian mafia that really was based out of my hometown in Providence, Rhode Island in Federal Hill. Anybody that is from this region or has had ties to this region knows about the guineas from Providence. And that is something that's constantly said. Federal Hill that's how I hate that term, but that's how they're referred to. And, you know, it really is. And you really see that a little bit in the movie. It's not a major component of this movie. This component of this movie is really about, I think, the dichotomy between good and evil. But Costello is essentially giving a voiceover about how nobody gives you anything, you have to take it. And it really becomes, I think, a method and a real key point 
point of this whole movie of The Departed. And it delves into Costello's beginnings and it delves into how he became uh, the uh, the mob boss and how he had to eliminate some of the, the Providence mafia hoods that really were kind of lurking around and kind of pushing down the, uh, the Irish mob from Boston and the Irish organized crime, how he was able to come to power by conquering these guys and showing them who was boss, essentially, and showing them that, you know, you can have your Providence, but Boston is mine, and it's my city. And a lot of people believe that it was very loosely based, uh, maybe a little more tightly based than people want to say, on real-life Boston mobs, the Whitey Bulger, the late Whitey Bulger now, which is amazing that we're saying. Um, But uh, uh, for a long time, Whitey was the biggest criminal at large in the city of Boston and really took on a mythical... uh, proportion. There were even yeah. some rumors that he was involved in the writing of the script of this movie and that he was actually involved in people in uh, forming the Costello character. Now, that's since been disproven, but that theory was out there when this came out. That's how many similarities there were between these two characters. Um, but Costello is in a small luncheon at a small convenience store, and he's collecting some money from the owner of this, the shop, uh, the guy's visibly unnerved by Costello. You can tell he just he's scared to death of this guy when he comes in. And knowing the clout and the evil that this guy personifies, he's so worried about what he might do if he doesn't take him off and doesn't give him his tribute. And Costello really kind of shows his true colors, that this is a guy that's so apathetic about goodness about people's welfare about people's well-being his main concern is his own thoughts and mm-hmm. he's so unconcerned with the environment around him that the shop owner's young teenage daughter who's working behind the counter he just nonchalantly blurts out hey Conan, have you, have you got your period yet <laughs> and Unreal. there's just there's a horrifying i remember actually this is another one i saw in the theater and i remember just the gasp of people that are going oh my god i can't believe he just said that to this young teenage girl that's working behind the counter that looked to be the picture of innocence and yep. he's just out to just ruin all all of that for her um and uh, i think really i think in a lot of ways that really set the tone for the costello character that this guy has no redeeming moral value he's out to just please himself and please whatever is going to be good for him and doesn't really care about anything else around him. No, with the with the girl's father standing right there and could he, yeah. he didn't even muffle what he what he had said to he whispered something to to Carmen afterwards but you know right. and also telling her, you know, keep the change go go get to we'll, we'll I'm I'm jumping ahead too because I'm sure you you want to mention that the his next few lines when when he um he first met Billy Costigan. Um, I no, I just screwed that completely. <laughs> that's okay. When he first met Colin when he, Sullivan. When he meets and, Colin, um, yep. And that's the this is the scene where they come together for the first time in life. Uh, Frank Costello knows Colin's dad. He knew his mother. This is the way this is the way things are in South Boston. It, it was that way for. Um, I don't know generations that you know you lived in Southie you 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 died in Southie your parents lived in, you know your your kids did the same and and that's just the way it was and that's when he met young Matt Damon um, who plays uh, Colin Sullivan he did a fantastic job in this movie he really did um, yeah I think Damon's that, some of Damon's finest yep. yeah you know and it was it's almost like. Damon was was playing 
DiCaprio's uh, life, or Damon had lived DiCaprio's life. He was he was a kid that grew up here, but he grew up well. You know, I don't want to say well off, but you know, he was a lace curtain kid. He he was he was he was one of the kids that was maybe upper middle class. You might want to say um, the way DiCaprio's uh, character of Billy Costigan did when you know his his uh, a child of a broken home whose parents had divorced, um, his mother very well-off and well-to-do, and his father, a guy who worked at the airport. He was a baggage handler at the airport. So, mm-hmm. And that goes to his, you know, living dual lives and how that plays into his his life right now as being a cop, but also being able to slip back into into his, his Southie um, persona because you were one, you know, you're one way when you live up on the North Shore, and you're another, you're another kid t- entirely when you're back in the projects, uh, living at Dad's on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, and that actually does come out, and that's flushed out in a, in a, a subsequent conversation that uh, is had between uh, the Massachusetts State Police and a, uh, a recruit, Billy Costigan, at that point, mm-hmm. um, who really kind of accepts his fate at that point about what he's going to be able to do if he wants to quote unquote serve the Commonwealth, and we'll get into that in a minute. But I think Murph hit the nail on the head when you uh, described the meeting, the first meeting between. Um, Colin Sullivan, a young Colin Sullivan, was played by a young actor named Connor Donovan. And I think this was excellent casting. If you look at Connor Donovan, he looks like someone that could be a very young Matt Damon. As a matter of fact, they almost have the exact same eyes. And I love how Scorsese introduces the characters and kind of flips the switch with the fast go-ahead and the time jump uh, to where uh, he looks at the, uh, uh, the, the young boy's eyes and then immediately flips to a picture of Damon in his state police uniform uh, in class, basically waiting to become a state trooper. Uh, I thought that was brilliant cinematography and just brilliant on the part of, uh, of, of Martin Scorsese in this film. But you see how a young boy like Colin Sullivan, who is growing up essentially right now without a father and mother, and he's growing up with his grandmother in Southie, how he is taken in by Frank Costello, who has money, power, prestige. Um, And really you can see just the look on this young man's face as he looks at at, at, uh, Costello. There's a little bit of fear in his eyes. There's no question about it, but there's also an admiration in his eyes for what this man is and what this man can be. And, Costello recognizes it. He kind of, you know, presses his hand to him and says, this is a little bit of money. After he's arranged to have two full bags of groceries sent home with him, right. bread, milk, uh, bologna, uh, you know, all, all the stuff that, uh, that a young you know, kid would need to be able to survive, Costello sends him home with this. And he gives him a little bit of money and says, if you ever want to earn a little extra, you know where I am on L Street. And that starts. Colin thinking about what this could be like about being in with a guy like Costello and being able to absorb some of his riches, some of his wisdom and some of his power. And he Mm -hmm. becomes, I think, really corrupted and seduced by it at the same time. And it shows a little bit about how Colin Sullivan now is a he's an altar boy. He's trying to be a good boy in some methods, but he's hanging around with Costello and Costello is really giving him the opposite lessons of what he would be learning in school or in the church. And at that moment, Sullivan makes the decision that I'm going to go with this guy because this guy's pretty powerful and he's the type of person that I want to be. And Costello essentially, I think, 
steers him into a job as being uh, a, a police officer. He sees Colin as being the type of person that can rise very quickly. He's a very smart young man, uh, mm-hmm. very savvy, uh, very, uh, you know, uh, very cunning. Um, and you see that in the movie. And I think Damon plays this part so well. And you alluded to that. I think it's some of the finest work that he's ever done. But you really see that flushed out. So as Costello grooms him to become someone in the state police that Costello can then utilize and know that he can play both sides, um, it really shows how Sullivan is betwixt and between and really kind of caught in a battle of two worlds and being a righteous cop but being seduced by the dark side, if you want to say, and Costello's lifestyle and what that can do and, and afford him. And I think you really see a difficulty in Sullivan. Sullivan wants to be the ideal cop in the eyes of the good guys, and he wants to be that underhanded bad guy in the eyes of the bad guy. And I think what it does is it leads to an identity crisis in this character that is never resolved throughout the movie. Whereas I think Billy Costigan, in a mirror image of this, knows who he is at heart, but has difficulty in how he's supposed to act with the two sides that he's playing. Whereas Sullivan knows exactly how to act on both sides, but internally, I don't think he ever really knows who he really is. Whereas Costigan, I think, is in touch with who he is. And I think that's the reason why you see characters gravitate more toward the Costigan character and less toward the Sullivan character. We'll flush that out as we we move on here. But um, you see the rise of Colin Sullivan. He graduates from the academy and immediately he's drafted right into the special investigations unit. And that's led by Captain Ellaby, who's played by Alec Baldwin, who really, I think, I think really plays like a scene stealing type of role in this movie. Baldwin is just, he's hilarious in his one liners and the way he delivers Mm -hmm. them and how he's able to do that. Uh, A typical, you know, uh, we've all known, you know, bosses and stuff like that that tend to be like that, that want to be a, a, a sort of a fun-loving but also sort of an intimidating type of character. That just he was my father. Has, yeah, exactly. And he really, he that, really that was. was yeah. you know, my old man was a fed. And uh, yep. it, it goes back to, the, to, you know, Nicholson talking to Matt Damon, uh, to Colin in, in the garage. And he says, he, this one line that, that he says to him, which really opens up his eyes is the fact that in Boston, you can either be a cop or a criminal. And, but when somebody's pointing a gun in your face, what difference does it make? What's and the difference? Yep. Yeah. What's the difference? And, and, you know, Alec Baldwin is, is his, his character. He, he's probably a third generation Boston cop. And, and this mm-hmm. is the way his father was and the way his grandfather was everybody who grew up here you've got at least one or two family members who are part of of bpd (laughs) and uh, i've got uncles that that were cops and like i said my dad was a cop he was a fed and uh alec baldwin just reminded me of my father um so so much it was unbelievable he he played his part perfectly Oh, I thought so. I absolutely thought so. And some of the best one-liners in this movie, I think, are, are lines that, that Alec Baldwin has. The way he delivers them is in a way that only he could. And I think this was brilliant casting. And just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Ellerby character was one of my favorite characters in the movie. He's one of the very, very few that actually survives the whole movie. So yeah. we'll, you know, we'll get into that in a little we'll bit. We'll get into that, I too. Sure yep. not, yeah, exactly. We will. But 
you see Sullivan, and I think in one of the more poignant move, uh, uh, scenes in the movie, is you see um, the Sullivan character who is meeting with Captain Queenan, who is played by Martin Sheen, and Staff Sergeant Dingham, which is played by Mark Wahlberg. And the two of them are, Queenan is very warmly welcoming him into the Special Investigations Unit. They know this kid is a blue chipper. They know he's someone that came through the ranks in the academy that's a high riser that automatically gets assigned to plain clothes. Uh, you see a friend of his uh, from the academy saying, Sullivan, plain clothes right off the bat. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you, you played this right. You're, you know, you're, you're doing it right. And everything just seems to be working for Colin Sullivan. And he's on top of the world. He's taking a nice apartment in um, in Boston, uh, right near City Hall, where he has a, a very good view of the of gold the dome. dome and everything that he wants to be. And even the realtor just basically looks at him and says, you know, you move in, you're upper middle class by, you know, by next week. And that's exactly what he wants. He loves to be able to fuel his ego into thinking that he's something a lot more important than he is. Uh, it's not touched upon in the movie a whole lot, but it's also revealed that he's going to Suffolk at night uh, to get a law degree uh, yep. to advance himself and maybe be able to make something of himself. You get the distinct impression from the Sullivan character that he wants to be more than what he is, but that there's something holding him back from being able to do that. And I alluded to that earlier. I think it's because he never really figures out who he is. In his mind, he's trying to justify everything that he does. And he's trying to tell himself, oh, I'm the good guy, but I'm also the bad guy. But I want to be this and I want to be that. And I don't think he's ever able to figure that out. In contrast, as Sullivan is walking out and he gets hit on by the secretary that's standing there. And it looks like everything's falling into place for Sullivan. They're sitting in the, uh, the, the waiting room, waiting to go in and to speak to these same officers Mm -hmm. that basically just praised Sullivan is Billy Costigan, who is still uh, attending the Academy. And Costigan has had uh, a real kind of uh, uh, mixed background, and you alluded to this earlier, Murph, stating that his, you know, mother grew was uh, lived on the North Shore, was very high, you know, highbrow, uh, lace curtain, being uh, a part of something where he was able to, you know, be a different person. And then his father was very low class, and you know, was a was a baggage handler at the airport, living in the Southie projects, and. Costigan essentially lived a double life, <laughs> and Queenan and Dignam both recognized this in Costigan. They knew that this guy was way too smart to just be a Mass Massachusetts agent. State cop all of his life, and that is no disrespect to the Massachusetts State Police no. whatsoever, but he is revealed that he got, you know, uh, over a 1,400 on his SATs. You know, I think uh, um, Dignam yeah, once That's like saying you got a, you've got a Mensa card in your in your wallet, dude. You, you, exactly. You, you are like, not yeah. going to work here for the, forever. Exactly. And uh, and Martin Sheen's character of uh, Queenan and, uh, and, and Dignam both recognize this, and they realize, though, that Costigan needs to have some sort of service to the state police in order to satisfy what's inside him. And they offer him this opportunity to be able to go in, infiltrate Costello's crew, who that's what the Special Investigations Unit is designed for. They're going after Costello. You see that. That's what they want. Ellerby is is obsessed with the idea of putting Costello behind bars. Um, He thinks Sullivan is his golden boy to be able to do it. Little does he know that Sullivan right. is working with Costello and really helps to uh, 
helps Costello to evade capture almost at every single turn uh, that uh, that happens here. And Costigan goes into his background a little bit about how he has ties to organized crime. His uncle Jackie worked for Costello and they think that this is going to be a great way to make an end. His uncle Jackie was killed. Um, Jackie is very well revered by the underworld uh, and Costello's uh, you know, crew. They have fond memories of, uh, of Jackie Costigan. Mm-hmm. And one of the big reasons why they're so willing to give Billy a chance. And Billy is very conflicted about this. You can see the look on his face like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to do this. I want to be able to make my living elsewhere. But Queenan and Dignam are very convincing that this is the only way that he'll be able to serve the Commonwealth. They offer right. him a bonus, uh, a tax-free salary, which probably is a considerable amount. You probably make the realization that it's probably uh, much more in advance uh, than what a state police uh, you know, uh, yearly oh, sure. salary would be. Uh, and this is tax-free, and he's able to take this bonus after a couple of years of doing some time in a penitentiary to convince people that this is no setup, that he's not just being pulled out of the state police. Uh, Queen and Indignum are trying to be very careful about placing someone in Costello's crew that can be accepted right away. And at that moment, you see the opening credits come on when they ask, when they finally ask Costigan, he never officially accepts, but the opening credits come on in a way that lets you know this is what he's accepted. You see a montage of Costigan's character going through prison and working out in his jail cell and being, you know, kind of getting himself ingratiating him with his fellow, Mm -hmm. you know, prison mates at that point. So you see that he is going to have to go through uh, the, uh, this, this hazing in order to do that. Um, And when Costigan does get out of prison and they do finish the opening credits, you see him contacting his cousin, who is a low-level, very, very low-level uh, soldier of Costello's crew, who's doing cocaine deals and really making a life for himself that's really a lot more, really a lot less than what he believes he's making. Uh, yeah. But he's, you know, doing drug deals and making enough money just to kind of eke through life. And at that point, Costello notices that there is a young, bright, Costigan in his crew that is working with one of his soldiers, his cousin, and Costello is not happy about that. And that leads to a great scene in the bar that Costello operates, where Billy Costigan comes in, meets with Mr. French, who is Costello's number one right-hand man, and they reveal a little bit more about Costigan's future in the organization. His cousin kind of goes to him and vouches for him, but they see this as something that is either one of two things. Either they've found someone that they can really, really rely on and a bright young person that they can really kind of infiltrate into this crew, but there's also a great deal of skepticism as to whether right. or not this guy is a plant by the state police. And it does lead to a couple of confrontations. And Murph, if you want to kind of flush that out a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah, at first, um, Costigan is, is sitting at the bar while his cousin Sean is over here talking to Mr. French and talking to another associate about him as they're 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 going through um, his internship as a as a drug dealer with his cousin Sean. So Sean's Sean's sticking up for him and and Ray Winstone, who, who who's just a phenomenal character actor. You. Yeah, probably been in more than anything you you people realize. Anything that I realized when I was doing some background on this, 
but um and it, it goes to show you about the two different worlds that he lived in and they say yeah i liked his dad but you know i i, I liked his uncle uh a lot better and uh and his uncle jackie who was who was a bookmaker who ended up being um killed by some of the guys down providence and um he in that's the the two different worlds that that he lived in you know his father who was a southie guy but you know was a a a legitimate man who 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 earned his living in a legitimate way and he could you know we'll get into it in the second meeting that that when he finally uh meets Frank Costello but while DiCaprio is sitting there some little you know, suit wearing scumbag is sitting next to him and, and makes an offhand comment that, you know, you know, when when Billy orders himself a cranberry juice that, you know, it's a natural diuretic. My wife drinks it when she's got her period and then she look he looks at him to try to be a badass and say, What is it? You got your period? And DiCaprio <laughs> just goes off. You can see in his eyes that he is truly he didn't do this to um put on airs or to get in good with anyone. He truly was ripped, and he picked up the guy's mug of beer or his his, his scotch glass. I forget what whichever it was. It was probably a scotch glass, and he smashes it into the side of his head. And that's when French and he starts beating the dude. And that's when French comes over, throws him against the wall, and just tells him, "Look, I'm the man who tells you what guys can get hit and what guys can't get hit. And that's almost a guy that can't, and that's not a guy that you can't hit, but he's almost a guy that you can't hit. And I'm going to make a ruling right now. You don't hit him. And DiCaprio's yeah. like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but in that scene, French kind of sees what kind of a guy he is. And maybe that this is somebody that Frank should take a little bit closer look at. Yeah, and I think that really does. And the next scene, I think, really helps to ingratiate this character into uh, the Costello lifestyle and the, the crew that he's trying to put together. And once DiCaprio does go through that and, you know, French kind of lets uh, he lets Costello know who he ran into <laughs> and yep. essentially who he sees and, you know, somebody that he may want to take a closer look at, like you said, Murph. Uh, they switch to Leonardo DiCaprio's character. They switch to Costigan, eating at the counter of a store, very much like what Sullivan, uh, you know, met Costello in early on. As a matter of fact, I think there same are a lot store. of people that say that it's the same store. That's it's just the same store. It's, it's the same yeah, store. It's, it's the same. It's the same type of luncheonette, and um, he's eating at the counter. Now it's run by a Middle Eastern gentleman who mm-hmm. is confronted by two mafia hoods from Providence, and these guys look like typical. Italian mafia hoods from Providence. They come in, they're trying to strong arm him, they're calling him, I think they call them Papu, you know, very very derisively, and, you know, they're they're talking to him in a way that's like, you're subhuman, you're not even worth it, I need to come down and I need to get, you know, the money that you owe me. And they do it in a, in a different way than how Costello had collected from the original shop owner when we saw him in the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Costigan's sitting there, he's kind of taking it all in, and he 
comes over and hears, you know, a, a, an off-color comment about his Irish heritage, which basically says, I don't know, sell potatoes. This is a very dirty, dirty yeah, people dirty that, you know, people. you're looking at. And Costigan takes offense to that, and rightfully so. And he looks at him and says, hey, you guys are from Providence. And they kind of say, well, it's none of your business where we're from. And he says, what are you doing down here, selling cannolis? And then you see Costigan just wail on these guys. Yeah. And really, you know, takes them apart, for lack of a better term. These are supposed to be two really tough, really uh, you know, men. early, you know, made men that are, you know, really there to inflict harm. And Costigan takes these guys out pretty easy. Now, granted, there's a sucker punch involved, but there's two of them as opposed to him. And you see the toughness of a character like Billy Costigan who can really mm-hmm. take and use to his advantage what he needs to to get what he needs out of these guys. So they do, you know, beats two men essentially to to death it's almost implied that that is the case if not then severely to the point where they're very much incapacitated uh they end up being found dead at a later time um but he gets out he breaks his hand uh you know hitting one of them he has to have it set um it's it's a real you know Costigan's having a really really rough go of it where on the other side Sullivan is reaping all the benefits of a life as a special investigations unit hotshot and what he's doing and Costigan is really kind of you know low life right now doing what he needs to do he's serving the same greater good as Sullivan is but with a much different degree and a much different task than he's capable of, of doing that Costigan's character is then seen at the bar. He's seen at the same bar that, you know, that he met Mr. French in. Just mm-hmm. It's probably implied that this is maybe a few days or a week has passed since then. And as he's sitting there with the cast on his arm, all of a sudden someone pulls up a chair and sits down next to him, and you see that it is Frank Costello. And Costello is there on a mission to find one thing out. Can I trust Costigan or can I not? And Murph, if you want to kind of give a little background on this scene and how it all plays out. Yeah, and uh, Frank sits down, and and he's as you just pointed out, he just nice and calmly, you know who I am, and yep, I know who you are. He's like, let's go talk, and uh, Costigan is is a little hesitant about you know the next move, and and Frank lets him know in no uncertain terms, I'm 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 not asking you, I'm telling you, come on, let's go talk, and they go into a back room. And this is when Jack really puts the screws to him as to how he feels inside about him. Um, The fact that he doesn't like that Costigan is doing the things that he's doing, that he is a smart kid, that he knows where he came from. And to see him regress... that that's exactly the word that he uses, I think, um, regress. And, and he is in the situation that he is now doing Coke deals with his jerk off cousin, um, really upsets him. Also, he wants to let him know that he's not stupid and he does, he knows who captain Queenan is. And he knows that Queenan and, and, uh, Alec Baldwin are out to get him. And it wouldn't be, he wouldn't put it past them to send him to jail just to get inside his organization. He tells French, let's let's search him. Let's search him. He, he searches him, finds out that he's clean, and then Nicholson Costello, being as smart as he is, says, check the hand too. 
You know, he Costigan is in a is in a cast from breaking his hand on on the two guys from Providence, and they flip it over and without batting an eye, French breaks that cast off his hand, slamming it into a into a um into a pool table mm-hmm. and letting uh, just to find out. Nope, there's no bug there either. He's clean, and that's when Jack goes to work on him with one of his own boots. And starts <laughs> interrogating him in a way that Boston police would interrogate somebody in the 1930s or 40s, um, just banging that boot onto his broken hand, asking him if he's a cop. And DiCaprio is just more than more than convincing that no, I am not a cop, and it, it, it kind of turns. Frank, well, it really turns Frank on that he's doing this to him, and he lets him realize that, you know, I'm sorry, but it was it was necessary. He did he didn't yeah. want to do it, but it's necessary, and it goes again to to what Frank Costello was. He he doesn't care what he has to do if it's necessary for his own survival. Right, and I think in a lot of ways, what it does is it legitimizes Costigan at this point, and Costello mm-hmm. realizes that he's somebody that I can now let into my inner circle. I can really bring this guy in. He sees the talent that this kid could possibly have, the smarts, the cunning, the the ability to recognize what is you know what what needs to be done, and really, right. uh, you know, Frank, I think for the first time, looks at him as this Machiavellian type of person that he can bring into his crew and can really be an asset. And he realizes that, you know, at this point, he doesn't want him doing any more, you know, like you said, Coke deals with his jerk off cousin. He's better yep. than that. He's, He's better, much than, better that. than that. And as the Costello-Costigan relationship becomes a little bit more flushed out. You even see that down the line where he asks him, he says, you ever think about going back to school? Almost like where, and I'm going to, you know, allude to the Godfather here, but almost like when Vito Corleone looks at Michael and says, I never wanted this for you. It's almost right. like he's telling Costigan, you're better than this. What are you doing? You can do anything that yeah. you want to. You're a smart kid. It's almost like he really almost pities him and says, get out of this. I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. I'm still doing what I had to do. Um, you know, I, I did, I'm not apologizing for what I did, but you don't have to do this. And right. it really, I think, leads to a respect that you see among the Costello character for Costigan uh, really throughout the rest of his life. Um, and I think he really develops a deeper respect for this character than maybe anyone else that he uh, uh, that he interacts with, with with the possible exception of Mr. French. I think there's there's really yeah. a genuine respect there and a genuine love between these two guys. But uh, in terms of who he respects most, I think you mm-hmm. really see him develop that respect. And that's flushed out, you know, a little bit down the line, and we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, once once Costigan is ingratiated into the Costello lifestyle and the Costello crew, we start to see the dichotomy then switch back and forth, and we see how Sullivan is advancing in his world, and we see how Costigan is advancing in his world. For the first time, when Costigan and Costello meet, and he tells him that he wants to make more money and he wants to be, you know, a higher ranking soldier in Costello's crew. This is the first time we actually see the Costigan character wearing a wire. We're reminded of the fact that he's not 
a criminal the way people you know are being led to believe that he is still an undercover police officer working for the special investigations unit um working for captain queen and and staff sergeant dignam and you see him dump the wire Costigan then shows his paranoia, and his paranoia is really starting to grow, and it's something that plagues him throughout the entire movie. Um, and I think DiCaprio said afterwards one of the, the big parts um, in being able to play this this character so successfully was the fact that he played this as a character that was having a 24-hour panic attack, that yep. he was panicked and scared to death even in his sleep. So it really, and I think it, it really summed up the character very well, where he never had a chance to relax. He never had a chance to really be himself. And in a lot of ways, the Sullivan character was the same way. He was just a little bit more of a sociopath that could dismiss the conflict that he had inside him, whereas the DiCaprio character really never could. I don't think he ever could reconcile the fact that he had to play two different characters to lead two double lives. I don't think it was something that he embraced, whereas the Sullivan character, I think, right. found it a little bit easier to do that. Well, I think um, it goes back to, to DiCaprio. It, it, it's it's easier to to be two different people when you know the person that you are inside is there to do good. Um, even though he, he was doing some, some, you know, truly vile things and, um, right. with, with, with Nicholson and Martin Sheen, we, we, we talked a little bit about the duality between, between Sullivan and Costigan, the, the, the two interviews, I like to call them two, inter the two interviews with, um, Captain Queenan and then later with Frank Costello were, were, these guys are, are the opposite side of the same coin as to how Sheen interviewed him to join the um the uh um the unit that he had put together and as to where Nicholson vetted him to join his crew. That was the second interview. And and it it, it goes to show again, you know the difference in I'm I'm going off script here, I'm sorry. Um the difference in two men that are the duality of this entire movie, you know, the, the, the fantastic good that is Martin Sheen, that is Captain Queen and, and, and the, the morally bankrupt Frank Costello and how one convinces him to do, to do something for him in one way. And one convinces him you know, that, that this is the way to go in another way. So it, I, I don't know. I, I'm going, like I said, I'm going off script. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, you're not necessarily the, the, the movie, the, this, a movie like this essentially follows so many twists and turns and there's so many plot developments that, that go on throughout the movie. Um, one of the real, I think, um, if there is anything heartwarming about <laughs> the departed at all, uh, it's really seeing the relationship that starts to develop that uh, between Captain Queen and and, um, and Billy Costigan, and you see these characters that deal with Costigan that really gravitate toward him. They actually they have a respect for him, they have a like for him, and Costello is the same way in two different ways. These are two completely different human beings. One is righteous, one is you know God fearing, uh, very. Mm -hmm. um, you know, very, uh, uh, you know, down-to-earth family man in Queenan, like where 
the Costigan character, you know, tries to get in touch with Queen and to let him know that uh, Costello is an FBI informant and that that's right. the reason why he never gets, you know, busted. And, you know, he learns this through interrogating one of uh, one of Costello's low-level, uh, you know, soldiers. And he tries to go to uh, to Queen. And Queen doesn't just take the information. He looks at Costigan, sees the wear in his face, sees right. how worn down this guy is and invites him in and says, you know what, you deserve a little bit of a night off. Come on in. You're safe in here. Sit down. Have some supper. He actually shares the dinner that his wife left out for him with Costigan. So that way he has something to eat. He's able to relax and he's able to at least have one hour or whatever it happens to be of peace and quiet. Being a normal person. Being yourself. Yeah. Just Just sit down and have some supper. You know, Absolutely. and for, for yeah. you folks out there who don't live in New England, supper is dinner. And uh, yes, we have yes. supper here. We have supper here. Exactly. And it is. So. And it, it goes, again, so to, to some of Queenan's backstory while Billy's sitting there. And immediately he points to his son who, who goes to Notre Dame. And, you know, it, one of the proudest things in his life is the fact that, you know, he's a, he's a cop who, who got to send his son to Notre Dame. And uh, that's really big up here, people. <laughs> if you're an Irishman, that's really, I'm not sure how big it is in, in your family, bud, but, you know, we were all told that we had to go to Notre Dame. That's why I'm not a Notre Dame fan to this day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, it really it's, is. It's I mean, drilled. I was, yeah, Murph was Irish Catholic. I was Italian Catholic. But, you know, yep. any type of Catholicism that, you know, needed to be continued throughout your faith. Notre Dame is very, very highly regarded in the uh, in the Italian-American, uh, you know, uh, circles yep. as well. So, yeah, there was always Notre okay. Dame was always up there in terms of, you know, schools that you, you made wanted it. to go to. Obviously, in my area, you know, the Catholic schools that you wanted to go to were Boston College, Providence College, because they were yep. close by the house. And an Italian family, any trip beyond five minutes is, you know, really, I think, longer than anything that yeah, anybody you're, wants. Yeah, you're, you're leaving the country. Exactly. You're leaving the country. You're going so far away from me. You're going You're going mm-hmm. 15 minutes oh, away. No. Yeah, you think you're a big shot, but yeah, it is. But getting back to uh, to the, uh, the, the whole point, uh, you know, behind that, you see these characters start to develop a a warmth toward um, toward Costigan. And Sullivan's developing some relationships of his own, one of which is um, in uh, one of the more underrated, I think, performances in this movie uh, by uh, uh, the lovely Vera Farmiga, who looks tremendous in this movie, um, and really plays, uh, she plays Madeline, uh, who is a staff psychiatrist for the Massachusetts State Police. And she's very much seduced by the savvy, the the confidence and uh, the uh, the status of Colin Sullivan, played by Matt Damon. He hits on her in the elevator, and he kind of you know makes you know quick remarks and yep. is able to finagle a date out of her, and it develops a relationship. And the two of them really kind of fall into a very quick relationship, I think, in terms of how much time is elapsing throughout the movie. And Madeline starts to see you know some good in Sullivan. She's having fun. She's you know enjoying the 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 fact that she's you know dating a very high ranking uh you know uh young recruit in uh, the Massachusetts State Police and someone who aspires to bigger and better things in his life she finds out that he is 
you know, going to Suffolk at night and trying to get his law degree and trying to better himself. So there is an attraction there. Uh, we start to see that erode a little bit as the movie goes on, and she starts to see some of the holes and the flaws in Sullivan's character. I think uh, the, uh, the her background as a psychiatrist definitely helps her to see some of the sociopathic uh, type of behavior that right. she sees out of Colin Sullivan. Uh, you also find out in a real <laughs> interesting, uh, you know, in a real interesting twist, which really ties these two characters of Costigan and Sullivan together, is that one of the quote-unquote... Um, criminals that she's seeing because she also sees criminals uh criminals trying to rehabilitate themselves um and she's seeing billy costigan uh, as a uh, as a patient um and he goes into uh to see her there's a very contestuous relationship between the two of them but there's a volatile chemistry that really cannot be denied between the two of them there might be a mutual loathing at times but that mutual loathing really is developing into really i think a mutual lust and then a love between the two of them so there's a, a love triangle going on here with uh, with a woman that are that's vying that where Costigan and Sullivan are both vying for her attention. They're both vying for the attention of Frank Costello, and they're yep. also both vying for the attention of Queen and, and Dignam. So there's a lot going on. Sullivan and Costigan are so parallel toward one another, but neither one of them are really aware of each other's presence until. Exactly. I would say about maybe three quarters of the of, of the uh, of the movie until the ultimate plot line of this movie is who is the rat in Costello's unit? That's who they want to find out. Who is ratting this one out? Who is the betrayer in the state police? Who is the mm-hmm. betrayer in Costello's crew? The fingers point to eat to both of these guys, and they point in opposite directions. And I think just one of the great great plot lines of this movie is how how well written uh you know this this uh conflict between these two characters is where yeah. you know Sullivan is you know supposed to be the golden boy and he's the rat in in the state police and Costigan mm-hmm. is supposed to be this you know dirty up from the gutter you know criminal who is the rat in Costello's crew and the way the two of them come together is pretty amazing, Murph. If you want to kind of maybe flush that out a little bit, because we really haven't discussed what I think was is really the ultimate element of this movie is um, finding out who the rat is. Yeah, you know, Martin Sheen gives the the same advice to both of them, and they use it to find out basically who or try to find out who each other are, because that's that that's where the plot has gone is, is as you said to to find out who the rats are, and. They both take this advice, which is, you know, one, follow, follow the, um, follow, uh, uh, Costello and, and you'll come up, you'll find the rat and the other one and and Damon takes that advice and he uses it, uses it to follow Queenan to, f- to try to find out who, who the rat is. And it ends up being Costigan. And it's it's really a brilliant twist to this entire movie is the fact that both of these guys throughout the the storyline throughout the arc are are basically doing the exact same thing, but from a different uh, coming from a different place. Yeah, absolutely. And you alluded to that very briefly, and we will get into that because it really, I think, is the turning point in the movie where you said about Queen and, and about how in order to find the rat in Costello's crew, Sullivan puts surveillance on Captain Queen and basically believing yep. that it will lead to who the rat is in Costello's crew. And ultimately it does. 
Costigan being very savvy is able to elude that and is actually able to get away from that with a little bit of you know help from one of the characters having to uh, uh, you know to uh, to die one of his uh, uh, you know one of uh, um, Costello's uh, top soldiers um, yep. is is killed Delahunt. in that uh, in that exactly Timothy Delahunt is killed in that um, one of his muscle soldiers I think he's referred to as right. as that who ends up being uh, we never really realize or we never know if he's actually. Um, revealed as a true undercover I, I cop. Believe he is. Um, I believe he is as well when he says, tell me why I didn't say anything, which is really one of the last things he says before right. taking his final breath to, uh, to Costigan. But getting back to my original point and not try, it's so easy to go off target, go yeah, off uh, uh, target with this because there were so many, no, 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 it's not you. It's me. It really, it kind of goes off of, there's so many subplots here that it's so easy to go down rabbit holes with the departed. Um, one of the things I think that makes that work best about the movie, but when Costigan is cornered, Queenan realizes that in order for Costigan to complete his mission, even if he has to sacrifice himself, he knows that Costigan cannot be caught at any cost and he sacrifices his life. Um, he knows that there's probably a good chance that he'll either be beaten savagely or that he will be killed. And, Costello's crew does not show much temperance. Uh, they nope. throw Captain Queen in off of the uh, uh, the building at uh, 344 Washington, and right in front of, of Billy Costigan lands the body of Captain Queen. In. And Costigan is devastated by this. Uh, you can see him moved nearly to tears. He's nearly having a panic attack just seeing this man who he has come to grow, love, and respect so much uh, that is no longer with him. And he knows at this point he probably has nowhere to turn. Um, his relationship with Dignam is not exactly as uh, not exactly as cordial as the relationship no. he had with Queen, and he doesn't know if he can trust Dignam, to be honest with you. Uh, he develops that trust a little bit later and realizes that he probably needs to, but he doesn't at the time. And he believes at this point that he is completely and utterly alone when he loses uh, Captain Queen. And Queenan's death leads Ellerby now to become the head of the Special Investigations Unit, meaning that Colin Sullivan now has the ability to use his relationship and his um, influence with Captain Ellerby to kind of yep. develop whatever he really, really wants to. And you see Sullivan breaking the news to Dignam. The two of them cannot stand one another, no. and they nearly come to blows uh, because Dignam knows that this, there's something dirty about Sullivan. He just he can't put his finger on it, right. but he knows that this guy is just not who he seems to be. Um, Dignam quits in a fit of anger when he finds out that he has to report to Ellerby. He knows that Sullivan is his boy, and Dignam is not going to be listened to, so he said he would rather turn in his badge and be a bartender than work for Ellerby, and that's exactly what he he does. He disappears. Yep. And Sullivan is now the main man at Special Investigations. And he's going through um, Queenan's belongings that were on him, and he picks up Queenan's bloody cell phone. And he looks at the last number dialed, and Sullivan realizes that that last number dialed was most likely his informant, his rat, and he dials the number. And in a scene that, when you see this movie in the theater, or if you've seen this for the first time, that Scene where the two of them, where DiCaprio's character and Billy Costigan picks up the phone and there's that awkward silence before either one of them are ready to say anything. 
it's you can cut the tension with a knife. And I thought very, very brilliantly filmed, very brilliantly acted by both characters. It involves saying no dialogue at all, but the two of them are sitting there and you can feel the tension on either side of that phone, wondering what is going to happen and what the other one is going to do. Caprio's character hangs up the phone. Costigan immediately hangs up the phone, starts packing a bag, realizes that he's got to go. He's got to get out of here. But there's something that's driving him to find out who called him from a dead man's phone. He picks up the phone, dials, and Sullivan picks up, and he hears his voice on the other end. And for the first time in this movie, these two characters that were connected in ways that they never, ever knew, they finally have a dialogue with each other. And it's almost like the two of them really come to an agreement in terms of who is going to help. And these two are actually going to solve each other's problems. It looks for a moment there that that's actually the way it's going to be. Uh, it takes a really, really interesting turn as the uh, the movie kind of unfolds. But that leads to the climax of the movie and the capture and ultimate killing of Frank Costello where we see the Costello character and exactly what uh, what happens to him. Uh, Murph, if you want to just take this, uh, you know, briefly, so that way we can just let everyone know what becomes of the mafia, the Irish mafia kingpin in this movie. Yeah, it, w- what happens is that Colin Sullivan finds out that, that his mentor, the man that he has, um, looked up to almost as a father figure, the man that he hasn't wanted wanted to let down his entire life, which is, which leads to to the the push and pull between him wanting to do good and you know and being a part of this life, a life that will give him the things that he wants, um, is a rat himself. Uh, something that he's been told his entire life is um is the lowest form of of anything now costello and his crew along with costigan are are going to do a major drug deal and 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 dicaprio costigan he, he, he let's say why are you going on this you don't need to go on this and it, but see this is the thing costello loves this is what he loves he loves being a gangster he loves being dirty and he's going to be there when this all happens um Damon Colin Sullivan is is right now to he he's at a, at a point where he can't let this go. He has to let the inf- he has to take the information that he's getting from DiCaprio um go up the chain so he doesn't get found out. Um during all this when it comes to a climax and and there is a, a giant shootout because Jack Nicholson Frank Costello is not going down without a fight. Ray Winstone and his crew are not going down without a fight. Um, Frank gets away while everybody else is, is you know, being shot down. Ray Winstone, who, who's Mr. French, takes his own life because he's not going to jail and, and his, he's had a car crash. Um, and that's when Sullivan confronts Frank about his being an FBI informant. And you can see Frank saying, well, it's either him or me. And even though, you know, he lets him know that, Colin, I would I would never give you up, Colin. Colin knows in his in his heart that he would because that's who Frank is. He's, he's somebody mm-hmm. that will, you know, is always looking out for number one. And Colin takes out Frank in a, you know, where would you say they were in in a construction site? 
Yeah, um, it looked like and, a construction site out by the docks, and that's yeah, out by the docks. Where, you know, where down. Frank meets his divines. Yeah. Yep. And 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 he actually he he takes him out, and Frank's phone starts to ring. He picks up the phone, and it's it's Gwen on the other line, and he's, he tell just mm-hmm. tells Gwen we we lost Frank. And pardon me, terrible yeah. time to cough. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's when that's when Matt you know, that's when Collins says, well. Here I am making myself out to be the hero again, and maybe I'm out of this, and and I can just go on and and lead a a, a normal life because Frank's gone. He he lets everybody know that that he got him. He got Frank. Yep. Exactly. And at that moment, Sullivan really, I think, cements to himself. He cements to himself that well, I made everything right. I took Frank out. Right. I solved the problem. I I am the hero, and I'm the guy that's going to be the new star of the Massachusetts State right. Police. I don't have to pretend to be Frank's boy anymore because he's no longer here. Settled the, the I've settled the conflict in my own mind about who I really am. Am I Frank's boy or am I the Massachusetts State Police golden boy? He is now ready to assume his position as right real as the real star. No matter no matter State the Police. carnage that he left in his wake. The way Absolutely. the way Frank did, you know, the, this right. is this is where he's supposed to be, and now he can breathe easy and just be that. Yeah, no question about it. And Sullivan really thinks he's got everything figured out, and he comes back to the uh, the precinct, and they're waiting for him with an, an applause and a mm-hmm. drink that's ready, that's you know ready to be had, and a celebration looks like it's ready to be done. And one of Sullivan's subordinates, uh, was played by Anthony Anderson, points over at a guy who is waiting for Sullivan, and that happens to be Billy Cobb again. He's waiting right. there to talk to Sullivan, uh, to get in, to be able to get paid and get out. A little and debriefing and, and then... Exactly. And and Costigan now sees the opportunity for himself to take his life back. That's really all he wants. The money is a means to an end. He just wants to be a normal person again without having to live a double life and without having to hide from anybody who he truly is. It looks as if that's exactly what's going to happen, that Costigan is going to get paid. Sullivan is going to continue to be a cop. And that's how essentially the movie is going to end until Costigan notices something on Sullivan's desk. Sullivan's and desk. this is something that we actually didn't get into earlier, but there were so many near misses when it came to Costigan finding out Sullivan's identity and vice right. versa. And vice versa. In one of the more in one of the more savvy moves by Colin Sullivan's character is he tells Frank Costello, have everybody in your crew write down their account numbers, their social security numbers, everything. And I'll flush the numbers out through here and eventually it'll come something will come out the other end. I'll be able to find something on my end. I'll be able to find a connection in one of our systems to the guy that's actually your rep. And in that moment, everybody writes down their own numbers and, and whatnot. Uh, Costigan's character actually refuses to do that, and it causes some conflict with uh, with Ray Winstone's character, Mr. French, and with Frank Costello, because these guys are now saying, well, why didn't you write the numbers down? And Costigan is able to brilliantly play it off as if I don't have to. You should know or, or you know, write off the bat, where my allegiances lie. This is not going to get you anywhere. And he's very, very brilliant at being able to do that and really is very elusive when it comes to that. Well, the numbers are written down. They're put in an envelope. And I thought it was funny at the time because actually I was working for Citizens Bank when this movie came out. And I thought it was hilarious. 
hilarious that the company I was working for actually had their name in the movie, and he writes Citizens Trust on the on the uh, yep. on the envelope, and it's crossed out, and there's some funny dialogue in there, but. Costigan notices that envelope is on Sullivan's desk and knows right. that there is absolutely no way that could have ended up there unless it was given to him by Costello. He saw right. in a movie theater when he almost had Sullivan nabbed, uh, and he saw the handoff of that envelope, and he knows that Sullivan is the one that got it from Costello. There was no right. way that that could have happened any other way. At that moment, Costigan realizes this is not right. over. This is Costello's rat. Rat. While Sullivan is in the other room, he's running the uh, the information, trying to get him paid. He realizes that he's got to get Costigan out of there, you know, really <laughs> very pretty quickly, because yep. he knows that Costigan is a very talented, uh, you know, young cop, and knows still that thinking he's, he's gonna just going to pay this kid and go. He's going to go away. Exactly. So let me get him paid off, and let me get him out of here and out of my hair, and I don't have to think about it again. Sullivan comes back in the room holding, obviously, what looks like his pay stub and what's going to be his, uh, his, his discharge papers, and he notices that the envelope is exposed. And now he knows that Billy Costigan knows his true identity. Mm-hmm. Sullivan right away rushes to his computer, deletes Costigan's record. So now there's right. no record of Costigan being a special investigation uh, undercover He's agent. He's just another thug. He's just a criminal. <laughs> yep. He's just another criminal and another thug. But... Billy Costigan has one more trick up his sleeve, and mm-hmm. that is a recording of oh yeah, and that exactly, and that is and that is Anthony Anderson who who knew him from the academy, and mm-hmm. also a recording of everything that um, that uh, uh, Costello had uh, spoken to Sullivan about. We alluded earlier to the fact that Costello had developed a love, um, you know, even a uh, an affection for uh, the Costigan character and really wanted to see him do more than what he was. You right. learn that Costello trusted Costigan more than he trusted Sullivan and more than he trusted any of his other subordinates. In the event something were to happen to Frank Costello, he had instructions with his attorney to have the recordings of him and his rat delivered to Billy Costigan because he knew that he would be the guy that could actually, you know, protect his own interest and protect his family. He was the yep. guy he was essentially leaving he was the, the heir apparent. the kingdom. He was the heir apparent, and he was the guy that was going to take over his organization if something were to happen to him. Not Sullivan, the way he had constantly... Uh, alluded to, uh, you know, being the, the the guy that he would leave his his legacy to, it was Costigan, and Costigan calls Sullivan, and in a great, re- I think, excellent exchange of dialogue between the two characters, really crushes Sullivan's, uh, you know, ego at this point, stating that. Costello didn't trust you, you rat. He trusted me. I had the evidence. So now you're going to do what I want to do. You're going to come and you're going to meet me. And that's the way it's going to be. And he wants Sullivan to turn himself in. Costigan is smart. He knows that he needs someone else there. And it can't just be a a meeting of the two of these guys. Because he knows Sullivan's going to have his own people with him. And he's going to have his own ways of being able to elude uh, any type of uh, prosecution. And we have had uh, alluded to that earlier. Uh, Officer Brown, who is played by um, Anthony Anderson, is there as well when they do confront. And they confront in the same building where Queenan uh, was uh, was murdered and where he was thrown off the building. Mm-hmm. So 
Sullivan and Costigan have an exchange. They go back and forth. Um, Sullivan pleads with Costigan to reconsider. Uh, he tries to let him know that he is no longer, there's nobody that can vouch for him. Nobody knows who he is. No one's going to listen to him. I'm a highly decorated uh, state trooper. You're and a you're low nobody. bug. No one's going to believe you. Uh, and that's why he has, and that's why Costigan invited um, uh Trooper Brown to uh, the roof of that building, knowing full well that Trooper Brown knows him and knows the type of person that he is, and also that he knows that Solomon is very shady as well. (laughs) And it leads to a confrontation, and Mersh, this is really, I think, this scene right here is why the the movie got its nickname, The Departed. (laughs) And if you want to just go into the Charge of the Light Brigade here that we're about to see uh, between all of these characters. Right. Well, well, Costigan overpowers Sullivan. And and Anthony Anderson, uh, Officer Brown, shows up and he, he lets him know, you know me. You 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 remember me. We were we were at the academy together. That's why I had you here. And. Brown is is conflicted. He's holding his gun on on Costigan and saying, you know, drop your weapon, drop your. And he's no, I'm not going to do that. I'm taking him in. This is going to be my collar, and I'm going to get my life back. That's all he wants at this point in time is his life back. And he takes Sullivan downstairs in the elevator, and Sullivan has a melt, meltdown, and he's just, he can't face the fact that he is going to be exposed as a as a criminal as a cop on the take as somebody who's caused the death of beloved um other police officers in boston like queen and so many others over the years that he's given up um to stay in good with frank um and he begs him to just shoot him just shoot me i i can't i can't do this just shoot me and costing no, there's there's no way. There's no way I'm gonna let you off easy. You're gonna face the um you're gonna face the music that you have to face. And when they get downstairs, this is one of the the most surprise I, I never saw this coming and I don't think anybody Yeah, ever I didn't did. either. <laughs> it, the the elevator opens up and immediately Costigan is shot in the head. And he's shot in the head by Berrigan, um who uh who was one of um, Matt Damon's chosen few to bring into his unit, uh, into Sullivan's unit that are, that are trying that's trying to uh, chase down Frank, and it turns out that this kid is also in with Frank, and even Sullivan didn't know about it. He he looks at he he looks at a shocked Colin Sullivan, who's who's standing there handcuffed, and he tells him, "Look, it, you think you were the only person that that Frank had on the inside? No way." No way. This guy's too smart. And he, he gets, it's just you and me now. We've got to take care of this <clears throat> so we both don't go down. And right then, Matt Matt Damon, Colin Sullivan's, you know, it, it clicks in what he really needs to do at this point in time. He still needs to, to, to be able to point a finger at somebody else. And Berrigan is that guy. And as soon as the cuffs are off, he grabs DiCaprio's gun and shoots him right in the head. So there it is. There's his story. There's how, you know, um, Costigan was wrong. Berrigan is the um, is the rat, not him. And Sullivan thinks he has his life back. And he, he yeah. for, you know, for a few minutes, for a few hours, 
He does. And yeah. then it cuts to um Costigan's funeral. He he's given a uh he's given a policeman's funeral. Um he's given a trooper's funeral. Um that that, that always made you know, I, I didn't understand except maybe they, they wanted to keep a dirty cop out of the out of the limelight um as to why they would do that. That's that's the only thing that I, but um of course at this point in time Matt Damon runs into into Madeline, the the point of their love triangle, who who he didn't know had anything to do with Costigan. Right? Why don't you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean essentially the reason why uh, uh, Costigan's character was given a trooper's funeral is because of the testimony of Colin Sullivan. Sullivan believes oh, that that's right. at this okay, point, thank it's, you. Only going to, it's only going to enhance his, um, his reputation. Right. If he comes clean and says, oh, Costigan was a guy that I had, I handled him, he was on the inside, he was my guy, and I'm recommending him for the, sure. the, 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 uh, for the Police Medal of Merit. And the audacity on the character after being the You're one right. I don't know how that went right out of my death. head. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's, it's it's okay. That's you know that's why we tag team this, my friend. <laughs> but uh, that essentially ends up being the reason why uh, Costigan is honored as he is, and rightfully so. He's given a trooper's funeral because he was a trooper right to the end. He was a police officer that was looking to make the wrongs in the world right, and that's exactly the difference between his character and Sullivan. We alluded to the love triangle earlier. Um, during their relationship, during the relationship of Madeline and Colin Sullivan, uh, Madeline moves in with Sullivan, and it looks like that's going to be her future. And she really starts to see some holes in this guy's personality. He's very secretive. Uh, he's he, She knows that he's lying to her about what he does and about how he does business and what he really and truly is. But she's not able to really put her finger on the pulse. Um, it's alluded to that uh, her and uh, Colin Sullivan character are having some uh, sexual dysfunction as well. Mm. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely that element. It leads her to gravitate toward a a more genuine, a more virile, and a more um, I think uh, character that not only does she sympathize with, but I also think she feels more of a kinship and more of a, um, a connection with in. Billy Costigan. And the two of them end up having an affair behind the back of Colin Sullivan. She trusts uh, Sullivan the criminal more than clueless. the police officer. Exactly. And um, com- uh, Sullivan is completely clueless to this. He has no idea yeah. that uh, that Madeline is, is, is cheating on him with Costigan or that she did have one, I guess, extramarital uh, affair with him. I don't think it was an ongoing thing at that right. point. I think this was a one-time thing that the two of them just gave into temptation one night. But Costigan knows that she has a boyfriend. He's not exactly sure who that is at that point, but he knows that she has a, a boyfriend. That I, it's never really revealed whether or not Costigan knew it was Sullivan or whether or not he just knew it was someone in the state police and really wasn't sure who it was. But um, you see Madeline standing at Billy Costigan's funeral, and he's and she's crying, and she's crying pretty uh, in a way that leads you to believe that this is a loss that is really, really affecting her deeply, very, very deeply. Just prior to the scene where Murph just described basically the charge of the light brigade where everybody but Colin Sullivan is killed, yeah. um, you see a reveal that Madeline is in fact pregnant. 
because of the sexual dysfunction between the two, uh, between Sullivan and Madeline, it almost leads you to believe that this could be DiCaprio's child. This could be yep. Costigan's child, not Sullivan's child. At the end of the movie, I think it almost all but confirms the fact that this is going to be Costigan's baby, that this was not Sullivan's baby. This was Costigan's baby. And she is pregnant with, with his child. That's why she's sobbing and crying so uncontrollably at his funeral. She's not only mourning the loss of a man that she really maybe didn't realize she loved as much as she did, but also the father of her children. She now comes to the realization that she is going to be a single mom raising this baby. In a and real at this point, she knows who I, Sullivan is. Exactly. And Costigan had, had, right, right. The, the only when person Costigan that he mailed, could trust. Right. When Costigan had mailed the uh, the recording to Sullivan, Madeline found the recording before Sullivan found the recording, and she knows exactly who he is and knows exactly what type of underhanded person uh, Colin Sullivan really was. I think in one of one of my favorite scenes of the movie is where she's walking out of, after composing herself, she's walking away from the graveside funeral of Billy Costigan. Sullivan reaches out to her and says, what about the baby? And she walks by him as if he is not even in existence, doesn't yep. flinch, doesn't look. It, it, it's almost like she doesn't give him a look, nothing. It is almost as, as if... He didn't exist. She didn't hear him. And there is nothing. There is no connection between the two. So at that point, Sullivan knows now that she's completely out of his life. And he basically she's gone and never to be seen again. <laughs> and it cuts to the final scene, which is still one more surprise in store for everybody uh, probably one that if you really thought about it, you can probably see coming. But at the time when I was watching it, I had I actually didn't. forgotten and didn't see it yep. coming. Um, Sullivan is walking in. He's walking into the, uh, to his apartment. Uh, he bends down to pet a dog and you see the, the, <laughs> the owner of the dog just pull the dog away almost as mm -hmm. if, almost as if Sullivan just found out by everybody for being kind of the scumbag that he truly is. Right. He opens the door to his, he opens the door to his apartment, and all of a sudden you see someone wearing wearing a tracksuit and shoes that are covered by sheets. And the camera pans up, and there is Staff Sergeant Dingham, played by Mark Wahlberg, ready to point a gun at Colin Sullivan. Sullivan accepts his fate at this point, just looks and says, okay. Dingham opens fire, one shot directly through the head, uh, enough to incapacitate and immediately kill him. Dignan puts on a, a knit cap and just walks away and runs away from the scene. And at that moment, he has a, the loss of his longtime partner and someone he had a real, uh, you know, love for in Queen. And he knows now Sullivan was solely responsible for that. And that was his way of being able to make things right. And in one of the most symbolic moments of this movie, and one of the more symbolic moments of this movie that I think could have possibly won this movie, the Academy Award, is the final shot is yep. a... A panoramic view of from Sullivan's apartment of Boston City Hall and the rat running alongside the drink rail on the on the lanai outside on the deck, and you see that rat just run across and yep. essentially it just at that moment all the rats have been tied up and everything has essentially been done. And Dignam is the last man standing. <laughs> we uh, we had uh, we had alluded to that earlier. He is the last man standing. Every other major character in this movie, uh, with the exception of Ellerby, has now been killed. And um, 
Madeline, big time body Madeline, Madeline Ellerby and and Dingham were were the last people there. The the right. You know the. It's it's. Well, I'm sorry. My phone just I just went dead, I think. Um it's a it's it's an, an ending that that nobody saw coming and everybody saw coming and it, it it just it puts a perfect bow on the movie. And I think that puts a perfect bow on our our on our episode. Uh what do you think? I think so. I think it was it was absolutely, you know, this movie is so I mean, we we could literally fill about a week's worth of material on the background in this movie and and just some of the symbolisms that uh, that happened. We had touched earlier on about uh, um about uh, you know, Costello. Uh Nicholson almost didn't accept this role, believe it or Please. not. He almost yeah. did not Yeah, he almost did not accept this role. They were looking at other uh, roles. The original uh concept of this movie had Tom Cruise playing uh the Colin Sullivan part and Brad Pitt <laughs> playing uh Costigan and eventually they couldn't get the uh, the movie made because of scheduling conflicts. Pitt ends up actually being a producer of this movie uh without without spending one minute on set, uh without really spending a whole lot of time in the in the in the cutting room and really without wow. uh you know doing a whole lot without doing anything in front of the uh, the camera. But because of the negotiations early on he had negotiated a screen credit and was involved mm -hmm. in early some of the pre-production. So he ends up being a uh, listed as a producer. If anybody views this movie and sees the name Brad Pitt, that is the same Brad Pitt. It's All not right. uh, some other guy. It's that's him. Um, but uh, one of the one of the better uh, Scorsese movies, and anybody from Boston, uh, I sees this movie and uh, automatically you can relate to it in some way, uh, whether it be the accents, whether it be uh, the lobster <laughs> being eaten by Costello, uh, mm -hmm. just so many things. Uh, and, um, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, there's a reference at one point to Jordan Marsh. I mean, really, it, it, there's so much New England and so much Boston-based uh, stuff in this movie, just so well-researched, so well done, uh, and well-deserved uh, uh, Oscar for uh, Martin Scorsese. Yep. One other tidbit that uh, Donnie Wahlberg was also in this movie. Uh, not a lot of people know that. They didn't realize mm -hmm. it because he doesn't look anything like himself <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> um, he plays he plays the uh, the federal Frank Lazio, which uh, I, I think um, his brother Mark enjoyed taking a piss out of uh, at every chance that he he possibly could. <laughs> oh yeah, played a nice small little it. role there. Yeah. Yep, and you, you can see it. Yep, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You know? Yeah, maybe go fuck yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, right. exactly. And yep, uh, my, oh yeah, my, we, we could also fill, I think, another thing just on uh, some of those one-liners, some of the Mark Wahlberg LRB one-liners. Just great, great stuff. If you haven't yep. filmed, definitely check it out. Please do, please do. I, I'm not sure if this is the first movie that that DiCaprio had did with Scorsese, but it certainly wasn't the last. Um, these guys have have worked together many times, many many times now, and yeah. it, often often a, a director will find somebody that they just enjoy working with so much that they just keep going back to it again and again. And this is a great yeah. pairing, and this is a great movie. And I want to suggest to you all that you go and check it out soon. All right, bud. Definitely. Why don't you take no us out? No question about it. 
All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, to list, uh, for uh, listening. Uh, if you haven't uh, checked out The Departed, I believe it's right now available on Netflix if you wanted to uh, uh, to take a look. Uh, I'm sure it's available for Amazon, and uh, even I think even YouTube uh, has it available as a download for a Kate download for like $3.99. Well, well worth the price if you haven't seen it. Uh, we will be back probably within a couple of weeks uh, to profile another mob hit, and uh, you can always follow my man Murph at tmurph207. You can follow me on Twitter at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Always be sure to uh, watch the Full Press Radio account. We'll be tweeting out uh, the uh, this uh, episode and all of our episodes uh, as soon as they're ready and available for download. So, Murph, thank you for joining me again today. Always love thank breaking you, this down with you, my friend. Always great to be on the mic with you. And, folks, we'll see you next time. Until then, the Shays Bippy Bar is closed. Thank you for joining us, and have a great one. Thanks.